0: Thank you to Sideways 8 for sponsoring this podcast. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. On Real Pink, we often speak with breast cancer survivors and those living with metastatic breast cancer, and we hear stories about fear, confusion, and the anxiety that a breast cancer diagnosis can cause. But I have also heard from many men and women listening to Real Pink that they have been helped by hearing real-life stories from other survivors that are sharing their experience. So to share her personal story and her journey through breast cancer, today with me on the show is Keegan Randall. Keegan has competed in five Olympics and finished the last Olympics with the gold medal in the team sprint. She also leads a nonprofit called Fast and Female, working to keep girls in sports. She works with the Olympic uh, Committee. She does motivational speaking, and she was the only mom on Team USA in the 2018 Olympics. Keegan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, well, thanks for having me. And uh, wow, you. That's a mouthful. You got it. All, got it all in there. L- what, but I did not that's what's so amazing.
0: Like, I think your resume is like way longer than that. And so, like, it's so impressive. I, I, I am so excited just to hear your story and not just, you know, not just your story through breast cancer, but just un- like seeing it through the eyes of an elite athlete that has just done amazing. I mean, five Olympics. That's just unbelievable.
1: Well, cross-country skiing is a sport kind of like a fine wine, you know, keep getting better with age. So it gave me a nice long career to work up to that pinnacle of the gold medal. But uh, then amazingly, you know, in a short time, I think the tides returned a little bit and I I had to use that experience uh, to conquer a new challenge. And that's been uh, overcoming breast cancer in this past year.
0: Well, let's let's talk about that. So let's walk through walk me through some what some of your largest challenges have been overcoming breast cancer.
1: Well, I think as an athlete, I just I was used to really having control over my body. You know, I was able to. I certainly put myself through a lot of discomfort, but I always had the option to stop. And with so much of the cancer, there's a lot out of out of your control, and it's it's kind of uh, upsetting to realize that you're not just in this invincible superhuman that can outwork anything thrown your way. At the same time. I was able to, uh, to really see breast cancer as that kind of big challenge, just like when I was going after a big result in skiing, and just take this big, scary, daunting thing and break it down into smaller chunks until I had something I could control, something to work on in front of me every single day. And I think um, just really coming at it with the right mindset, staying positive and being able to, to break it down into those manageable chunks um, has really take, helped me t- get through this one piece at a time.
0: So it sounds like basically you took and compared training for the Olympics where you've got this sort of gigantic goal and you break it into small manageable bite-sized chunks and you essentially applied that methodology to getting through your breast cancer diagnosis by breaking it into man like just let's get through today. So can you give me give me a little bit of an example of like what does that look like?
1: Sure well I mean when when I was first thinking about trying to win an Olympic medal in cross-country skiing no American woman had ever done it before. So there was there was no roadmap to say it was even possible. Um, and at times it was scary to like say out loud, I wanna go for a medal when it had never been done before. But I was also kind of excited to see how far I could push myself to go through that. And so when I got my cancer diagnosis, it, it kind of felt similar to me in that cancer is just this very big, daunting, scary thing Um, you know, and there was a lot of questions and a lot of what ifs and there's statistics, but basically I just kind of said, okay, you know, I need to get through this and okay, what, you know, the treatment is going to consist of these different components. There'll be chemo, there'll be surgery, there'll be radiation. Um, and within those, there'll be different segments. And so I just kind of took that big thing and I, and I showed myself how I could work through it one step at a time to get through to the place where we could get rid of the cancer and I could get back to doing all the things I wanted to do. And I think being able to focus on that one step right in front of me, whether it was getting through a chemo round or a day of radiation or all those things, it helped me kind of literally put marks on the calendar and get through it one day at a time. And now here we are a year later. And uh, as far as we know, I'm cancer free and I've been able to kind of get back to all the activities that I wanted to do. And I think if I had only thought about the big challenge of there being cancer in my body, that would have been intimidating, but the fact that I could see something to work through every day um, kept me going.
0: That's fantastic. So, tell me a little bit about, like, in terms of preparing yourself for that, how did you go about educating yourself so that you could sort of break it down into those chunks and really understand how to think about it?
1: Well, I knew that I was not the typical cancer patient. Um, I was coming, you know, literally three months off of winning a gold medal, being incredibly fit and healthy. Uh, I wanted to stay active through my treatment. That was going to be important for my body to be able to process the treatment that I was going through, plus just the mental challenge of uh, kind of being knocked down and and not being in control. So I really worked to find doctors and providers that could understand who I was coming in, how I might process the treatment, and what activities I wanted to get back to at the end of my treatment. And I felt like that was really important because – there's a lot of different decisions that you make within your treatment. You know, you decide what surgical route to go through and you know whether or not to do chemotherapy, whether or not to do radiation. And so I think having a team of doctors that could understand who I was and my unique needs was really important. So I took, I would say, a little bit of time up front to, to select people that felt like the right fit for my team. And I also was really proactive about talking about what I wanted to do, asking a lot of questions, kind of being a little bit of my own advocate and asking those questions. And not just taking the first thing they were telling me as as the law, but you know, making it more of a collaborative process, I think was really helpful.
0: And I think that's that's really really smart, especially coming from from where you're coming from. I mean, you're tip top physical health, you know?
1: No, it was it was really helpful, and thankfully, you know, my um my doctors were, were very patient with me. You know, I I asked actually if I could ride a stationary bike or walk on a treadmill while I was getting my ke- chemotherapy infusions. And my oncologist was actually open to the idea. She said, well, I mean, I don't see a reason why not. Turned out the nurses who would be observing me to the treatment were a little bit nervous about it because if I got a little flush, they wouldn't be able to tell if that was because I was exercising or because I was having a reaction to the infusion. So we ended up settling on the fact that I would ride my bike to my treatment and ride my bike home at the end and just kind of get up occasionally and walk around um, while I was getting the infusion.
0: Wow. You rode your bike to and from the chemo treatments. I just want to make sure I heard you say that correctly.
1: I did. I did. And actually, on my way to the treatment, I would also stop at the gym and I would do a pretty aggressive strength training session because I knew going into the infusion, I would feel pretty good. Right. And coming out of it, you know, the first one especially, I didn't know how I would feel coming out of it. Right. But at the end, I, I still felt decent. So I rode home. And then I noticed as the rounds progressed that because of the steroids that you take to counteract some of the the side effects, I really actually felt pretty good for the first day or two after the treatment. So I knew I'm going to get my exercise in then because I know I feel good. And then if I don't feel good for a few days after that, well, then I at least can have that kind of like feeling of satisfaction that I got some of the work in. And now maybe I take it easy for a few days until I kind of feel like I'm feeling good again and then I'll kind of get back at it.
0: Wow. That's so amazing. I love that. It's such a unique approach, you know, so, uh, so shifting our conversation just a moment, let's talk about some support resources for someone who is supporting someone else that's been recently diagnosed. So like, what do you recommend? What are some resources? What are some thoughts around this, the support network?
1: Well, the support network is one of the most, I think, important things about going through treatment I was really well supported as an athlete, um, always had a great team of people around me, not only taking care of the really technical things, but also kind of being the cheerleaders to help you get through those invariable low points, or there to celebrate the high points with you. Um, the teammates you're working with day to day, the coaches, uh, you know, of course my family was incredibly important. So all that was crucial in my athletic career, but then now experiencing the role that my support team played going through cancer, it just blows it through the roof. Wow. And it's been incredible. And I have to say that I've tried to approach this with a pretty positive mindset, but that's not to say I haven't had my points when I doubt and I get scared and I feel crummy and I start to succumb to some of those negative thoughts. And it was the people around me that helped kind of pick me up and remind me that, you know, there were things to stay positive about. The prognosis was good. If today felt crummy, well, tomorrow might feel better. Friends who called me and I think initially they were a little cautious because they didn't know what I was going to be able to do but they took the risk and they called me and said hey you want to go for a hike do you want to go for a mountain bike ride and sometimes that was just a little push I needed to get out the door and maybe if it wasn't the pace I was used to the fact that we were out there you know we're outside and there's great distraction of conversation and I always ended up feeling better when I went out and did that so I'm so glad that my friends they weren't afraid of what I was going through they were willing to kind of lead me through it no matter what. My husband and my parents were, were just amazing at, at catching me at those low points. Um, my little boy Breck, who's three years old now, um, was the, was the best like motivation distraction there is because right. no matter how awful I was feeling, I could kind of focus my energy on him and watch him play. And so it was wonderful to have, have him as kind of part of my support team. He was young enough. He didn't really know what was going on. Sure. Um, but he thought it was funny to rub my head when I lost my hair. And uh, when we were going through an airport, and he saw a mannequin with no, you know, no hair. And was like, oh, that's mom. So, <laughs> so all that was, was incredible. And then I was very open about my uh, treatment and, and what I was going through on social media. Right. And within, literally within seconds of putting my diagnosis out there, I was getting messages of support from all over the world. Wow, so I feel like being able to take some of that energy and thought process outside of my own head and interact with others was really helpful, you know, especially interacting with people who were supporting another loved one going through it, right. You know how badly they want to help. And so trying to figure out what the best ways are are for that. And I would say just the more positive, the better, okay. That is the one thing you can control
0: right. So uh, yeah, I'm it occurs to me. As uh, as a career athlete, you, you you mentioned that you had a support team as a part of that, and and then you had a support team as a part of of you know overcoming this illness as well. And and it, it, so as I'm thinking about that, it, I realize that not all people are really great at accepting support. Uh, it sounds like you you've, you've got to be amazing at it because you know you've had these teams around you. So what advice would you have to someone that maybe needs a support team and is reluctant to allow? Other people to come into their lives and give them that support.
1: Yeah. I mean, while I've been used to uh, having the support in my career, I also would say I'm not the best at always accepting help. <laughs> I definitely have like an attitude like, oh, I, I can handle this. I'm fine. I can do this. Right. What I found kind of most helpful was when people kept things relatively normal. Okay. And, okay. you know, they were there to just kind of offer, you know, an activity to do or when people brought food over, you know, those things were super helpful. You know, I also got a a lot of incredible care packages in the mail, which had frivolous fun things in them that just kind of reminded me about the the good side of life and and the connection that we share. And, you know, as a patient, just just try to recognize this is the one time in your life when you don't have to be tough. You don't have to do everything yourself. Um, And just, you know, I, I feel like confronting cancer just was that reminder that I do have incredible people in my life. I shouldn't take the moments with them for granted. And so every opportunity, just spending time together, I felt like was was incredibly important.
0: Wow. Keegan, this has been, a fantastic interview. I, I really appreciate your insight, I Really, your enthusiasm, your approach to conquering incredibly difficult tasks. Uh, it's really, really inspiring. Do you have any, any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience before we wrap up?
1: Well, another little thing that kind of helped me through treatment and ended up being kind of a cool thing to do with my support team was I have these rainbow colored running shoes that I started wearing into my appointments. And um, my husband came up with the idea um, to come out with some happy socks that you could pull on and and that could be that reminder to stay hopeful. And so um, we kept saying to each other, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Right. So we put the it's going to be okay slogan on the socks. Um, We ended up partnering with Darn Tough out of Vermont, which makes incredibly uh, wonderful socks. I love
0: Darn Tough socks.
1: Yeah, great socks. And we came out with this it's going to be okay sock it's very brightly colored it's got the inspiration on there but we started uh, we started offering those through my website um, as a fundraiser for active against cancer and we ended up doing some LL bean as one of my sponsors and they, they donated some headbands and so we came out with a few of these products and we've been selling them and hearing the stories of, of how people are utilizing these whether it's conquering a medical challenge like cancer or whether it's getting ready for a big race or even a tough job interview yeah. Sometimes we all just need that little reminder, it's gonna be okay. So that's been a really fun project for my husband and I to do together. So if anyone out there needs a little bit of, of that inspiration, um, com and uh, the Happy Socks are right there.
0: I may have to check those out. Well, Keekin, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Love to have you back on the show again sometime. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Coleman. For more episodes, visit realpink.coman.org, And for more on breast cancer, visit Komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thank you to Sideways 8 for sponsoring this podcast. We all want to break through the noise on the internet and stand out. Sideways 8 is a digital agency on a mission to improve communication through marketing. Whether they're working with tech companies or national nonprofits, Sideways 8 helps you showcase your value while making it easy for people to find you. Sideways 8 services include website design and development, website care plans, digital marketing strategy, branding and messaging, SEO, pay-per-click advertising, and more. To learn more about highlighting the work your organization is doing, head to Sideways8.com slash Komen. That's S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S, the number 8.com dot
1: slash Komen.